Lifecast.com presents. <laughs> They're playing basketball. We love that basketball. They're playing basketball. We love that basketball. They're playing basketball. We love that basketball. The following episode of Wide Men Can't Jump is scheduled for a 60-minute time limit. Introducing first, your co-hosts. I'm Nathan Bush, the man behind the wheel, Jeff Simmons, and live from LabCast Studios in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, TR Shock, Tom Robinson. Yo, yo, yo. TR Shock. Since uh, the whole world's focused on Minnesota, I think that's where the... uh... Very short-lived gimmick in the wrestling business of T.R. Shock emanated in 1993. Actually, I used it like once or twice before that, but anyhow, uh, the whole world, as I said, is in Minneapolis, Minnesota for the Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl game, which is now, let me think, today's Wednesday, four days from now, uh, it's 9 p.m., we should be in the third quarter, is that a, a good approximation? Maybe uh, depending on how long, depending how long Timberlake goes and how many tickets he pulls out. So you fucked my joke of I'm bringing sexy back. Yeah, I wish we could have that wardrobe malfunction with Katy Perry. That would be amazing. Well, uh, there'd be a lot of uh, DVRs and such pushed on pause at that moment. There's a lot of there's a lot of boobies that want to be seen in the music. Quite industry. a cry from back when the uh, Janet Jackson thing happened, when it was a VCR. I don't remember <laughs> if anybody remembers VCR and videotapes. Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> Those were the days. But yeah, uh, four days from now. So we'll we'll touch on the Eagles a little bit later. Um, we got a packed show with uh, some great guests tonight as football's winding down, and we're starting to turn the heat up on the NBA. And uh, great job on your end, Big Nate, for uh, booking our guests from different cities. That should uh, should be a great, interesting shoot fest tonight. Well, the thing is, if you aggravate someone enough, eventually they will come on the show. That's what I've learned over the past several months of getting guests for the show. But speaking of pestering people, we want to pester you out there to give our sponsors some love. Because our sponsors need love because they sponsor us and we love them. They show us love, so we want you guys to show them love. Our main sponsor is wowfreecam.com. You should definitely check them out. Go to their website and check them out. Hey, Jeff, why don't you tell them a little more about it? Hello, ladies. Hey, guys, it's Nate from Wide Men Can't Jump. And I just wanted to tell you about this brand new free site, wowfreecam.com. You listen to us for basketball analysis and insight and entertainment, but where are you going to go when you get the itch to talk to a sexy lady? You go to wowfreecam.com. They have the hottest women on the internet, and guess what? It's 100% free. Log on right now and go talk to them if you want. You can do it. It's all free. Free to look, fellas. Have a look, enjoy, and tell them Nate from Wide Men Can't Jump sent you. The number one adult entertainment site that you can participate in, WowFreeCam.com. 
WOWFactor.com. Must be 18 or older, but you're not going to want to miss out on this. Log on to WOWFreeCamps.com. So big thank you to WowFreeCam.com. And TR, what was the uh, other plug that I don't remember right offhand because it was one you secured? <laughs> well, that's our main man, Michael Criscola. Uh, when you think of concrete, you think of guys like Fletcher Cox on the Eagles defensive line. You think of guys like Lane Johnson on our offensive line. Hard as a rock, solid as a rock. And speaking of concrete, of course, there's Mike Criscola concrete. Chris Scola. He said I said his name wrong last week. I just stuttered a lot. Um, Michael <laughs> Chris Scola is based out of Brookhaven, Pennsylvania, here in Delaware County, suburban Philadelphia. I never realized it's a global medium, but we're catering to our local audience. If you need anything, any concrete needs, insured, licensed, you name it, 610-986-2900. 610-986-2900. Tell Mike... Or whoever you speak with over at Criscola Concrete that Wide Men Can't Jump sent you. And I'm sure Mike will be happy and he'll be getting jobs out the ass because we're, uh, as that commercial would say with Kenny Powers, I'm all the way up! Bang! That's right. So, TR, uh, now that we've got the cheap plugs out of the way, and thank you to our sponsors, we love all of you. Um, normally, this is the time in the show when we go into some extensive Wolves 76ers talk. Well, since Jim Peterson is joining us tonight, I'm going to save my Wolves thoughts for a little bit later. So go ahead, TR. Give us an update on the 76ers. I've been running around like a madman this past week, so I honestly have very little knowledge of how the Sixers have done this past week. Uh, you know what? The Sixers are playing. Uh, they're one game over 500, 24 and 23. Uh, they're playing tonight, January 31st, against the Brooklyn Nets, a team that is far inferior to them, but they've had a history this year of playing to their competition. And I must bring up losing twice to the Sacramento Kings, losing to the Los Angeles Lakers, losing to the Phoenix Suns, losing to the Chicago Bulls, etc., etc., while in the same season beating the Houston Rockets, beating the Boston Celtics, beating the Toronto Raptors, and also jumping out to a 22-point halftime lead on the Golden State Warriors where they just totally collapsed in the second half. But they do play up to their competition. Um, J.J. Reddick's back tonight, so that's a good thing. Uh, TLC, Timotei Luau Cabarro, which I will never try to spell on Twitter or any of our pages. <laughs> we just call that guy TL TLC. He's from another country. Uh, I should know France. He's from France. He's got skills, but they come and go. He's, he's very similar to this year's Robert Covington. They put him in the starting lineup due to injury recently to Redick and Bayless and so forth. First couple games, he's banging threes. He's looking like the next coming. And I knew Cinderella would turn into a pumpkin. And in the last couple games, he's just been the shits. So he is what he is. He's a you know ninth, tenth guy off the bench, if that. A um, couple people on Twitter got their hopes up. They've been showing Markel faults. Oh, the big story I should bring up before we move on to a quick Eagles talk between myself, Jeff, and you. Um, Markel, my favorite draft pick of all time, faults, <laughs> was uh, stumbled onto an ESPN report. I believe it was a print report 
that Brett Brown told this said reporter, who I should have wrote down his name in my notes, that he felt Markel Fultz had, quote, psychosomatic problems with his jump shot, i.e. the shoulder's all bullshit and it's all in his head. And Brown uh, said uh, he misconstrued his words or... In a in the long run, that was the infamous tweet from Markel a few nights back. I can't trust anyone that you sent to me. Uh, oh yeah, Fultz was very upset, and Brown did everything he could for damage control. And the ESPN reporter printed a retraction and an apology. But the cleared Markel Fultz, who I saw more video from our friend Keith Pompey today is still healthy as a horse and still not in the lineup. And uh, I don't know any other sport that a team, an organization, could get away with redshirting a, f- not freshman, but a uh, a rookie. I actually have a, I have a question about that. Um, now, wouldn't, wouldn't you think that uh, if, if it if, – say this is a mental issue with Markel Fultz. Wouldn't you think to get his confidence up, you get him out there, you get him, even if he's playing not great, but get him, like, at least a little bit of comfortability with the NBA and get some experience out there? You're damn right. I agree with you 100%. I mean, it depends when you put him in, but that's subject to Coach Brown, and I just really don't think. Even coming off the bench, and he only plays, like, you know, a quarter, plays, like, 12 minutes a game or something like that. Yeah, they get, they, or maybe, or maybe send him down to the G League, like Tr suggested weeks ago, and I'm completely in agreement with. If a guy's having an issue, send him to the G League and let him work through it. Like it makes no sense to keep a guy out. And basically, this dude, like, think of it as a regular job. Think of it. This guy took a regular nine to five working job, comes in, is and gets paid a lot of money because he's supposed to be really good at this job works a week and then gets put on paid vacation for like four months like how does that how does exactly i mean think about healthy that. vacation it's yeah healthy vacation not like he he had like a heart attack or his uh you know he like he got a paper cut like that's basically what happened he got a paper cut he went out on comp and they're paying him in full to show up to work and dress nice but not do his job that's how i'm looking at it's it fa- it's a very it's the I mean, it's not strange considering what this organization did in the last five years since Scam Hanky came in with his analytics and his bullshit and his tanking, and the league had to step in, and now I think uh, stuffy Brian Colangelo is doing the same thing in a veiled way, you know, just to pull the wool over our eyes, so to speak. Uh, but I, I don't want to kill Fultz. I mean, that's old. He's not. I, I, I doubt. I doubt we'll see him play this year for the Sixers. I really do. And I don't know how they're going to explain that. M- maybe somebody. I doubt it. Don't don't think I feel confident in this. But trade deadline coming up. Maybe somebody will be dumb enough, or maybe smart enough, and have foresight that they will let him go to the G League, or will, like Jeff said, get the guy in a fucking game and let him play it out. I I agree with you, Jeff. Get the guy out there. Let him, you know, let somebody. Even if he shits the bed. Shits like, the bed. At least he's in game competition. Yeah. You know, like he's Draw by fire, man. And I think, I think playing with Embiid and Simmons, uh, two players who are are arguably top, well, I think both of them are definitely top 20 players in the league right now. 
um, you could could really boost the guy's confidence just being around them and g- gaining some chemistry. Yeah, I mean, I hate to say I told you all so, but it's been since last summer I said uh, Nate and 50 others in that group, some are listeners, some have called in the past. I've, I said, fuck Fultz, fuck Fultz. That was my post, repeated fuck Fultz. Anybody but Fultz. And... I even had the foresight. This was a lucky, weird premonition, but I said, TJ McConnell will have his minutes by November, and they'll make up some weird reason why he can't play. That was You a, called it, man. That was a paraphrase, not an exact quote. but I wish you'd have kept that group active, because I'd love to take screenshots of that and post it on our Twitter page. But I, I know, man. I was just I like, guess they got to take our... I guess our listeners have to take our word for it, because it it's true. He did say it, and... Most people didn't agree with him. I, I think I may have been in the minority and said, you know what, man, I agree with you. I just don't think he's going to be anything. And I think that's why I'm I'm allowed to be the co-host of this show is because I agreed <laughs> with him. Well, you know, it's it, it's our show collectively. Uh, I don't know who said it first, but, you know, you had experience in this, and I could just tell that you, uh, whether it be for Philly or not, you had a, a, a unique understanding for a guy your age of the NBA. So, uh other than that, the Sixers are, are 500. Uh, Kevin Love's out now. We're going to talk about injuries later. Okay, we got Wall, a lot of injuries. We got know, a lot of injuries to talk about. That's, that's the thing. The East is so easy to get in the mix if you get your shit together. And this team is long enough, meaning height-wise, and, and, and has such talent. Uh, there's no excuse not to make the playoffs. They they go from 10 to 6. That's their seeds. Whenever they feel like going on a win streak, they're up to 6. Whenever they feel like fucking around, they're down to I mean up to, down to 10. So, well, well this- there's a team there's a team in that ninth seed right now that's really going to make a push here within the next I think the next month or two. So, be on the lookout for them. That's well, th- the Detroit Pistons. I, th- I think our first guest is not here yet, but we're we're going to talk a little bit about that major. We will talk about the Pistons here in a few minutes. Go ahead, Jeff. I didn't mean to interrupt. In in the uh, defense of the Sixers, though, I mean every all the critics and before the even the season started, they had them at forty two and forty. You know that was their pro- that was the projected over under um, before the season started. That's what they were saying that they were going to finish. And you know at, right now they're pretty much on par with that. And if they can do that, that's better than last year. Um, uh, no one was expecting them to to win the championship this year. You know, the, they like I know Tr. You're not a fan of the 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 slogan "Trust the process," but this is a process, and it's still going on. Yeah, I'm not a fan, and with Markel, I think that's part of this sh- uh, shitty process, and I still think. You know, not in your case, what you just said. I think you're giving them another year to show you, like, maybe we'll do something in free agent in the offseason, free agency. And even, I mean, I just saw there was a trade rumor out there that the, the Sixers are interested in Tyreek Evans. Like, that could Every, be. Everybody you know, in the league is interested in Tyreek Evans right now. <laughs> it's true, but, you know, if they could land a player like that, that could that could tra- that could tra- uh, change things significantly. In, hey, TR, in make, of an make, eye. make me a deal right here, TR, live. If Markel Fultz comes back and leads the Sixers within the next however long he's in Philly and this in this group and they and he can lead them and be the leader of this team and take them to the NBA finals and they win the championship, you have to get a tattoo that says trust the process. <laughs> Make that deal with me. You know, I, Make it. I, I mean I don't I don't know what would uh 
what your end would be uh, the equivalent to if he didn't. I'd have to give you major odds or something, but <laughs> I mean, I, I would be glad to be wrong in this case if the Sixers were like number one, like the Celtics are, you know, with their new acquisitions. Uh, if J- if he played like Jason Tatum, I would be like, you know what, I I was wrong about that dude, but I wasn't. I was dead on almost to a, a creepy. I was dead on. It was so accurate my prediction. You really were. There's still time. I mean, it, it, you know, he's only it, he was 19. I don't know if he's turned 20 yet. That's a lot of time to develop. And the problem the problem stems. I think I'm going a little long here, but the problem stems from. The, co- the quality of coaching since the game, quote-unquote, changed with AAU, where there's no more boxing out and uh, defensive drills and this, that, and the other. It's all if a guy can cross over and break an ankle and, and you know, they're just not concentrating on free throws, on boxing out, on diving for balls. These guys coming in the league and they can't shoot foul shots because they were never taught fundamentals and they got to be taught when they're millionaires already. And it's well, you, you can see that at the college level now. Like yeah. I just watched I was before I came in here I was watching the West Virginia Iowa State game and you're looking at a guy like Sagabal Kanate who's playing college ball and he's he you know he can block 7 shots a game and he's a massive massive body in the post and then can't make a free throw. I'm like, dude, come on. They're called free throws. Like it makes no sense. Yeah, I and mean, a, and you look at and you look at guys who have decent jump shots, guys who can make baskets, and they can't make free throws. It's it's mind boggling to me. Get Rick Barry to th- teach him how to throw it underhanded. I mean, he, I'm talking I mean, in the case of it like ain't, Ben Simmons at this point, but it's not pretty, but it works. It works, man, and uh, it's it's the it's the simplest form of basketball layups. Free throws. I mean, they should be givens, and the three pointers should be like worked on. And like a a guy who just got traded, Blake Griffin, the Greek freak, the other night was hitting some threes with a nice swish, a nice follow through, a nice touch when he played us. Um, A lot of guys that came in the league without a great shot, you know, beyond ten feet. Ben's there's no reason why Ben can't develop that over the next couple years. So uh, I'm optimistic, but uh, I just I just think. Like you said, Tyreek Evans is from Chester, Pennsylvania, right down the road here. And, you know, I like all Philly guys to come back, and that would be nice. But it wouldn't be like a big three. It would just be a nice piece. But we would definitely make a run this year. And I don't know, it would be great for the city to have a couple rounds of playoff action. You know what I mean? And what would be wrong? We still have all that cap room, you know, in the off season and everything. So there's no reason we shouldn't be in the building. And I think, I think he would like to come home. Um, but obviously money talks and what, you know, like Nate said, everybody's after him from Boston to Cleveland, to, you know, you name it, they're after him. Um, and, and the key here, what Nate brought up to me, but I, you know, I, I kind of left out was that Memphis wants a first rounder, which is really, uh, that's a lot. It's, it's a lot for some teams to give up now. It I mean, depends, that, it depends that's, how high that's you value. For, yeah. That's a lot for Tyreek Evans. Yeah, like, I'm sorry. Right, Tyreek right. Evans is a good player, but he's not a first-round pick level player. He's not a guy that I'm gonna that I'm gonna give up a first. Now, unless it's like a like an early first-round pick, I'm not giving up. Like guess, if I'm Boston, right. Boston's holding on to that pick. They're not gonna give that up for Tyreek Evans. I'm sorry, and I wouldn't do it. 
not even a lottery pick would I give up for Tyreek Evans at this point. Like, like I said, we have a, one, a number one overall who's only 20 years old that well, I'll gladly give for uh, – but, <laughs> you know, the Sixers might not feel the same way. And actually, uh, we have our guest, our first guest tonight, Nate, uh, all the way from Detroit, Pennsylvania. And a big thank you. Detroit – did I say Detroit, Pennsylvania? Because I looked I down at my notes and I saw Pennsylvania. From Detroit, Michigan. Big mistake. My 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 bad. Um, a writer for the Detroit Pistons that we got to thank for getting here last minute notice on, uh, you know, a couple days after the big trade. Rod Beard, are you there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Nate? Yeah, thanks, Rod, for coming on. And um, we just want to talk a little bit right now about the trade that everybody's been talking about since it went down it was shocking news it's you know i think about five o'clock everybody saw the deal was was close to being done this and then within an hour boom done uh the pistons have required blake griffin how does that change what the pistons are looking to do this season well, I think it just changes the overall makeup and, and every team needs to get an, an alpha guy a uh, guy that you can come down in every possession you can look to and he can do a lot of different things more importantly just scoring the ball Blake Griffin has the whole arsenal for you he can distribute he can rebound he can score uh, obviously plays above the rim uh, and he's just a guy who knows how to get the ball in the basket averaging over 20 points a game uh, and, and if you're going to contend and contend seriously you need to have one of those guys uh, the Pistons owner Tom Gores said that the contending teams the elite teams have two or three of them. And the Pistons didn't really have one, so they're just starting on their way to being a contending level team. And they've been trying to get a guy like that for the past couple of years. We know they were involved in that Al Horford uh, chase a couple of years ago in free agency, and it just didn't work out. But now they finally got their guy, and, and they're happy about it. He's going to be past physical. Everything's done with that trade, and he's going to play tomorrow against the Memphis Grizzlies. That's cool. He opens up uh, tomorrow. Uh, Blake Griffin, I've always been a fan of. Came out much like Ben Simmons, uh, sat out his first year out of Oklahoma, a couple uh, knee problems that he had to clean up. Then he took the lead by storm with the Lob City, and uh, I was uh, reflecting, but we'll get out, we'll get on this a little bit later uh, as far as Clippers, but I was reflecting on all the talent they had at one point, and it's almost amazing that they didn't do nothing with that, such dissension out there. But uh, what kind of lineup does Coach Van Gundy plan to have at this point now that uh, Avery and... Uh, Ty, or Tobias are gone. Well, well, those are the two leading scorers uh, that the Pistons had, so it's going to create some uh, chemistry issues and just trying to figure out who's going to play where. I guess that they'd want to start Stanley Johnson at the small forward, uh, replacing Harris or, or moving Harris from the four to the three and then Blake to the four, uh, and then probably Reggie Bullock to start out, and then eventually they'd want to see what their rookie Luke Kennard has uh, and if he can play a bigger role this year as a rookie or maybe moving into uh, next year and beyond. But they've got some, some roster options on the wing, and they played very, very well the other day against the Cavs, yesterday against the Cavs, uh, in that surprising win at home for the Pistons. So I think there's going to be a little bit of growing pains. they got to figure out how to integrate Blake into uh, their offense and kind of how to play together. And then down the line, they've got Reggie Jackson coming back from that ankle injury that, 
is going to give them another injection of offense and infusion of offense. But then they've got to learn how to play with him and Blake and all of that. So it, these next few weeks are just going to be maybe a little tumultuous for the Pistons and just trying to put some stuff together and figuring out how to play. It's like uh, you're playing at the gym and, and you got five guys, but then you lose and then you pick up two additional guys that you hadn't played with before, and now you've got to figure out a way to make all of that stuff work. Right. Well, Rod, I saw that you had tweeted earlier today um, a quote where I don't know if it was you that asked or another reporter asked Blake Griffin about the comparison of Andre Drummond to DeAndre Jordan, and the response Blake said was Drummond is bigger and he's more talented than DeAndre Jordan. And I don't know if a lot of people would even think that, but if you follow the league closely, that's to me it's kind of obvious that, that Drummond's a way better player than Jordan. What What are your thoughts on Griffin saying that? Well, and, and that's actually my fault. I mistweeted a little bit. I, I heard talented, but he actually said more physical. So he's bigger oh, okay. and more physical than uh, DeAndre Jordan, which is, is actually true. They play a different style of game. Uh, certainly uh, Drummond is, a, is probably equal or a better rebounder. They go back and forth between number one and number two in the league in rebounding. But I think it's just a, a little bit different. He might be more skilled in the sense of a traditional big man who has a left-hand, right-hand hook. He can post up a little bit differently where uh, – DeAndre Jordan is more residual. He works off of his point guard and does a lot more that way than trying to score on his own. It doesn't really matter. I think there are a lot of parallels between the way that those two play. And if, you can, if you're Blake Griffin and you can play with DeAndre Jordan, you can certainly play with uh, Andre Drummond, who's probably a, a much better passer. And that's going to help, too, because now in the high-low, you can switch those two around and have Drummond at the top and Blake posting up, which you probably wouldn't have done a lot of with DeAndre Jordan. Uh, conversely, on the uh, L.A. end of the deal, um, you saw Tobias Harris and Avery Bradley play all year. Uh, they're joining a team that's pretty much imploded. I think they're going out there to basically, you know, play by themselves. It seems like uh, Jordan's on the block. Uh, Lou Williams is on the block. That's an interesting subplot there. Like I, I think clearly Detroit had, got the better end of the deal as far as immediate impact. Yeah, you would think so. That um, it, it almost feels like the Clippers are going through this cleanse, that they're going to try to um, clean their books up and get out of a lot of that long-term debt that they had, and that's probably the only reason you'd do that for Blake Griffin, um, assuming that they don't know about some injury or some anything else that – a longer-term risk, but the Pistons were willing to take that on. But again, if you just feel like the makeup and the construction of this roster just isn't what you want to do, they're doing the right thing. They're just assembling a bunch of draft picks and then uh, just trying to start over and hit reset. And within the next couple of years, maybe they'll be viably competitive again. But I think with Jerry West joining up with them and, and advising in that role, that they just figured out, look, this isn't going to work. If we didn't, with all the talent, as you mentioned, the talent that they had within the past few years, if that didn't work and they didn't win with that group, then looking at Golden State, who's in that same division, same conference, if they're not able to win right now, why not just press reset, restart this whole thing with a different group of players and look down the road at maybe four, maybe five years when you don't have this version of Golden State, and you might be able to be more competitive then. So it's it's kicking the can down the road, but cleansing yourself of, of and purging some of those bigger salaries and preparing to compete at a different time. Well, Rod, you got Blake Griffin in Detroit now for, unless you want to move him 
again, he's contractually there for four about four and a half years now. So smart move to me on the Pistons to get him early on in this big contract. Now, it's going to cost them, but I think the cost of having a Blake Griffin helps the Pistons, and they're going to build around that Piston or that Griffin-Drummond um, front court. And with Cousin, DeMarcus Cousins going down, I think Drummond-Griffin, I think that's the best front court in the league right now. If you're trying to come in on that, best of luck to you. Yeah, and that's what they're looking for. Even though the rest of the league is predominantly wing players and guards who are uh, dominating a lot of the teams, you're going to have a couple of instances where it's not that. You're going to get uh, your LeBron and Kevin Love type combinations that are still very formidable. And, and in the Eastern Conference, that's something that the Pistons are dealing with right now. It's how you move ahead of teams like that. And what Boston has uh, as well with Horford and uh, what they're trying to put together with some of their other bigs. So I think what Sam and Gundy said is they're just trying to do it a different way. If everybody else is doing it with guards, if you don't have the elite guards in the league, then you're just doing it with second-tier talent, and, and you're not doing it with as good a, a group as everybody else is. So if there aren't a lot of teams that have two bigs that they're building around, maybe doing it different is the way to go, and, and that can start you on a different way to try to be competitive. And they'll have to adjust to you. If they don't have the bigs to match up, then you'd have a physical advantage down in the team than uh, with the way that those two guys play at 6'10", yeah, it's going to be a matchup problem for some smaller teams. This is a little bit off topic, but Blake coming to the city of Detroit, hes uh, I've seen him with Donald Cerrone training MMA. I've seen him uh, doing stand-up comedy. He's a personality a little bit larger than basketball. And, uh, you know, he lost a little bit on his uh, – Vertical, I guess he's he's improved his three point shot, and I think he's became a better all around player. But uh, I th- I think you got a, a personality as well there that you could uh, that maybe the Clippers didn't really exploit. I mean, you had the whole Donald Sterling mess, and as we talked about earlier, they had you know Paul and Reddick and Crawford and uh, Griffin and Jordan and you name it. They 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 were stacked, and now it's it's kind of like. Uh, you know, Blake's in, a, Blake's in a good spot, I think. And uh, does the city feel that way as well? Well, uh, the temperature that I'm getting here is more of they didn't want the Pistons to go all in financially, that the risk doesn't outweigh the potential reward. That, uh, again, in 2021-22, Blake's going to be making $39 million. And, and with a guy who's got – if his biggest trait is his athleticism and has been his athleticism – that if you're banking on the injuries not cropping up again, that's a very, very big risk that you're taking. And there are no guarantees of him that, that he's very much been missing 10, 20 games a season, hasn't played more than 70 uh, in the past few years. So if you're banking on that and, and paying that amount of money, that could very well be spent somewhere else. You could have two $20 million players for that same amount. Is Blake still going to be that athletic in four more years when he's 33? Yeah, that's a big question. Great point. Well, Rod, we appreciate you coming on with us here tonight. Uh, don't, we don't want to take up too much of your time. And, again, thank you for being uh, you know, kind of a short last-minute guest here, but we really wanted to get an insider on the Detroit Pistons end of things, and we will be watching tomorrow night intently as Blake Griffin makes his debut with the Detroit Pistons. And, Rod, thank you so much for coming on with us tonight. And Make sure everybody goes out and follows Rob on Twitter. Rob, you want to go ahead and give him a shout-out where you can follow you on Twitter. Sure, at Debt News, D-E-T News, Rod Beard, R-O-D-B-E-A-R-D. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you having me on. You're the man. No problem. Anytime, sir. Thank you. Yes, always well. Okay.
Cool dude. Glad uh, glad you looked him up, Nate. No problem, TR. And Rod's a great guy, and we appreciate his time uh, coming on the show here with us and giving us some insight that we didn't have beforehand. And interesting conversation. But speaking of interesting conversations, TR, don't you hate trying to buy condoms at a grocery store or a department store or a drug store? Don't you hate that? Yeah, especially at 48 years old. They're like, you're not married, you creepy bastard. Yeah, have you ever had that moment when you're with a woman? You probably haven't in a long time, but where you're alone with a woman and you don't have any condoms and you don't want to raw dog it because you're afraid of things that might happen. And, you know, it's just kind of it's just kind of a pain, don't you think? Yeah, it, it can be a little awkward and and you know, you got to stay safe, brother, and you got to uh you got to look out for yourself. Where where are you going with this, Nate? Well, I'm just going to give a big shout to our sponsor, BeADandy.com. B-E-A-D-A-N-D-Y.com. Never run out of condoms. They're less expensive than buying them at the store, and shipping is discreet, and a condom purchase without that weird, awkward moment at the drugstore, especially if you have to go to the grocery store and get them, and you end up buying all those, you know, you buy a package of hot dogs, or you buy a big sausage, or something like that, then it just gets weird, and you got people... <laughs> thinking weird things about you order online at be slash podcast that's b-e-a-d-a-n-d-y slash podcast and you have a special promotion for our listeners 50 percent off the starter pack that's a three dollar first order it's six condoms and then after that guys it's only six dollars a month you're gonna get condoms and if you have a condom subscription you're going to get laid more. That's just how it is. Beadandy.com. Check them out. And we want to thank them for sponsoring us again this week. Absolutely. Thank you, Beadandy. And, uh, you know, now I can discreetly buy condoms and not have to use the used ones. Yeah, that's great. You know, I definitely don't want you using used condoms. Yeah, I just find them on the street and just see if it'll fit. Kind of like an old cigarette, you yeah. know? <laughs> <laughs> Of course, we're joking, but a great sponsor because, you know, in the big picture, it's all about being safe and healthy in your adult lifestyle. Definitely, definitely. And what do do we got to talk about before uh, our friend from Minnesota joins us? Well, TR, I I found this out today, and we may not get to talk about this long, but I saw Nikola Mirchich has been shut down by the Chicago Bulls. They They are not letting him play until after the trade deadline. They are trying to trade this guy. They had a deal done Tuesday with the Pelicans to trade him to New Orleans, but apparently Mirichitz nixed that trade and stopped it from happening. So a lot of interesting development there. Pulled a Hulk, Hulk Hogan with creative control. He did. He did. No no trade clause. And, uh, you know, a lot of guys, I guess WCW guys, Eric Bischoff signed him to that deal or something. Without yeah, apparently. Apparently, there was a Time Warner fiasco up there with Miritich, but I think that's an interesting thing to look at. Miritich apparently doesn't want to go play for the Pelicans, and I'm, I guess they're wanting to get rid of him because of Laurel Markin and has come on so strong as a rookie. And, I, you know, two guys, very similar positions, and the Bulls are looking to get better. And I guess they want, I don't know what the, I don't know what the potential trade was, but with Boogie Cousins going down for the season, the Pelicans looking to make a splash and try to keep that that playoff spot because rumor has it, if they can't get anything by the trade deadline, I think 
Anthony Davis, if they if they're not making any moves, Anthony Davis will be maybe gone. Well, you know we have uh, the deadline's the eighth, correct? Yeah, actually, we have our special trade deadline show next week on the seventh, where we're going to probably discuss potential trades, and there could be a lot happen within a week. I posted a video when the Blake Griffin trade went down on Twitter. So make sure you're following us on Twitter at WideJump, and we will update you anytime there's a trade. Anything that happens, I will try my best to be able to put a video out there via Periscope, and we'll do our best to keep our listeners informed between shows. Um, so definitely keep up with us on social media. So that's going to be a fun time next week, talking trades and figuring out what's going to happen. But in a couple of weeks, TR, let me check the date for sure. I believe it's the 21st of February. We are being joined by a salary cap specialist from the NBA. He's on NBA TV all the time. He will be joining us on the show to talk about the trade deadline, what happened at the trade deadline, and where we go from here. Eric Pincus is his name. He'll be on NBA TV next week actually so that's why he can't get with us until the 21st so guys be paying attention and we're gonna have some guests on here talking about salary cap issues among other things what within a, the coming what a bad choice going on nba tv instead of all oh, wide men can't jump well you know anyway, he doesn't, we'll, we'll he doesn't take him anyway yet. he doesn't know how huge we are overseas yeah. and on different continents and worldwide but Definitely. Uh, but yeah i mean I, i'd love to be smartened up to that part of the business because you know with the uh luxury tax and making the numbers even out in certain trades and uh some people have to eat contracts and uh collective bargaining agreements and this that and the other players unions and not no trade clauses which you just brought up with miritich i mean there's so much going on with these guys that we do need a resident expert and hopefully he'll enjoy himself and actually come in and smarten us up every once in a while to what's going on Oh, yeah, he'll be here with us, and we are looking forward to having him here. And we got, we just got so much. We have so many people that we're in the process of talking with and getting on the show, current and former NBA players. I'm excited to see where we get to here this year, TR. We're 14 episodes in, and I think we've made a major impact so far. And we appreciate everybody out there for supporting us, guys like Tim Dombrova, Scott Roberts, Armando, Karen, A-plus, all those people out there that have supported us from day one. We appreciate you. And if you're just now joining on the bandwagon, there's plenty of room for you. Get on the Wide Men Can't Jump train because we are going straight to the top. The biggest podcast about the NBA there is, mainly by weight. um, Machine? I'm sorry, Nate. I was uh, talking while you were talking. Oh, you're fine. Uh, we, we haven't got a hold of our guests yet, so we could we could ramble on for a couple minutes. Um, no, go ahead, go we, ahead. We we had some things to talk about. Uh, the All Star teams were announced as we went through last week, which I wasn't totally prepared for, but in a way, it's good I wasn't because three of them are now gone. Uh, John Wall is out for two months, getting quote cleaned up. His uh, shooting percentage was down about five percent this week or this year, this week. Um, <laughs> getting his knee cleaned up and uh. You know, uh, if you watched him, I mean, I I thought he was one of the most explosive guys in the NBA last year. He he didn't seem as he didn't seem John Wall esque. He's still a great player, number one overall pick out of the University of Kentucky back in the day. Um, the Wizards still need a big piece, but I think it's a good time for him to, uh, as I said, clean up in his words. 
And the East, that's why I go back to the Sixers with the East with all these things. Kevin Love, boom. Uh, I believe it's his uh, arm or hand, is it? He broke, yeah, I believe he broke so. his he, hand. Yeah, it's, and he's he's going to miss six to eight weeks. He also is going to miss the All-Star game. It's. I saw something on Twitter, not to interrupt you guys, sorry, but... Uh, no, go ahead. It was funny. Um, it was like it, someone said... It looked like LeBron James had the most stacked um, NBA All-Star lineup, and every other day now they're dropping like flies. That's true. That, it that's really is. Absolutely he true. Lost, uh, he lost to Marcus Cousins. He's out for the season. No more Boogie Cousins this year, and depending on how the surgery goes, it may be November before he can come back. They're expecting him to be back for the start of next season, but you know, worst-case scenario, November, and... There's a lot of people worried about him saying, well, what if he can't be the player that he was before? Because an Achilles injury is – that's a major injury if you're an NBA player. If you're a professional basketball player, that's a huge injury. Especially if you're a big Well, man. any any sport, really. Like, look at Ryan Howard for the Phillies. That His Achilles injury ruined his career. He was never the same after. He couldn't hit the long ball. I mean, he could still hit the long ball, but he was striking out a lot. But even, even that's less physical game than basketball. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough, tough injury for a. It's a real shame. I'm not pandering to our New Orleans Pelicans fans, but just for the NBA, because that guy, you know, when he was a king, he had, you know, just coming out of college, he was just uh, looked at as maybe a hothead, a lot of technicals, a lot of off the court issues, nothing crazy, but you know, just looked at in a different way. And when he got with his old teammate. Anthony Davis, he's, he seemed to have like such a, a great demeanor right now. And actually, he's walked away from fights and confrontations in the games and so forth. And any night can put up 40 and 20. So he's obviously been one of the most talented, if not the most talented, big men in the NBA for you know the last couple of years. So, uh, you know, shout out to Boogie if somehow you got our tweets and are listening to a future guest. We love you, man. And, uh, oh, I'm a huge, I am a huge DeMarcus Cousins fan. He's probably my favorite player that's not a Timberwolf. I'll say that. I love the way that dude approaches the basketball game. I've been a fan of his for years, so much so I named my fantasy basketball team after him. So what, The Boogies? Nah, Boogies Knights. <laughs> I was going to say, I was, I was wondering what variation of, of that name you would use. Uh, but yeah, that, that's secretly from that Mark Wahlberg movie where you saw his fake dong. Well, he should have used BeADandy.com, and he wouldn't have had all the issues that he would have had right there when he was looking at WowFreeCam.com. Ah, see, good good tie-in, man. Good, thank you. Thank good you. callback. You guys, uh, uh, we've got the Super Bowl coming up Sunday, as you guys well know. I'll let you two discuss the Eagles. I'm going to see if I can get our guest on the line, okay? I'll be right with you. Yeah, do your thing. Me and Jeff will have a lot of fun, and so will our listeners who are uh, – in our market, the Philadelphia market and surrounding areas, uh, this is the greatest thing in quite a long time. And you hear the song in, in our background. Fly, you help me, Jeff. Score, Score touchdown, touchdown, one, two, three. Hit them low, hit them high. And watch the Eagles fly. Fly, Eagles, fly, on the road to victory. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles! Yeah, sorry, we had to do it. We had to wake up in the second half of Why Men Can't Jump because it's NFL 
for 15, 20 minutes maybe until we get our guests on, maybe five minutes, who knows. But it is the biggest week of the NFL, and it's the biggest week in Philadelphia in this market, Jeff. We are uh, surrounding, we're taking over Minneapolis, man. We are just, every report is that we're calm, cool, and collected, and it's just like any other week for us. We've played 18 games in this season. We're 15 up and three down, brother. And uh, quite frankly, in the trenches, our offensive line, our defensive line, they can talk about the Brady and uh, Foles disparity, which if Foles steps up like he did last week, two weeks ago almost, uh, you know, there's not going to be that much of a disparity. But uh, obviously one of the all-time greatest, if not the greatest quarterback, Tom Brady, we got to give him his respect whether we like him or not. Um, and Belichick with their crafty, no pun intended, with their owner's name, um, alleged cheating and sometimes proven cheating we're going up in a 14-year rematch against the evil or 13-year against the evil empire and i i just uh you know we discussed off air that it's a little uncomfortable because coming into the playoffs everybody was like thinking oh atlanta is going to beat us and minnesota is going to beat us and blah 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 and we kind of knew like a lot of us kind of knew that this team's special and now the the vibes changed and i don't want it to change and and let me hear your take on that well, I think it all stems down and starts with Doug Peterson. Um, honestly, I haven't seen a coach come in here and and bring a team together and get them to buy in as quickly as he has. And he, the way he handles the team, the way he, he treats his players, it, it, it's like a big family. And honestly, I haven't seen that camaraderie in Philadelphia like that. This just this feels a lot different. This feels a lot different than the '04 Super Bowl. Um, they're just they're they seem confident. They seem ready. They and they they all have each other's backs. And the whole underdogs thing. I kind of wish that the the media the media is a little bit more um, on the Eagles side going into the Super Bowl, which makes me a little worried. Which also like finally makes me. Um, it makes me happy to see that they're getting the recognition finally, but you know, I kind of wish that they were rolling with the uh, the the underdog thing more in going into the Super Bowl. Yeah, se- um, several multi-million dollar bets there in Las Vegas have moved the uh, betting line from at one point six. Some said five, five and a half everywhere I saw it down to four. They said that um, parks. Is it Parks Casino in Delaware? What's the one in Delaware? That's Delaware, Delaware Park. Delaware Park. They're saying that Delaware Park Casino actually could lose money this Sunday because of how many bets that are being placed on the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. Like you said, it's special. And speaking of special, um, this is an honor for us. On the line, we have a former NBA veteran, a uh, philanthropist, a... Uh, currently an analyst for the Minnesota T-Wolves, and he's also had a background in coaching in the WNBA. The guys did just about everything. And it's my pleasure and Nate's pleasure to welcome Jim Peterson. Jim, are you there? I'm here. I got kind of mixed up uh, on the timing here because um, you said 9.30, and it's only 8.30 here. So we kind of got <laughs> twisted up. Sorry about that, guys. That's I thought I put Eastern time on that. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, you know, I just so I'm we we've been changing, we've been crisscrossing the country here. We just got off the road uh, with the Wolves, uh, been in Atlanta and Toronto, 
uh, back to back. Um, it's been a it's been a crazy five game and seven days uh, tour for us in two countries and all these time zones. It's been nuts. So uh, anyway, it's kind of it's an honor for me to be on Wide Men Can't Jump. This is uh, this is pretty cool. Thank you. I, I, I want to blame everything on Nate. I'm TR, uh, Jim. Nate was, uh, is our booker and also the co-host extraordinaire from West Virginia, but a diehard T-Wolves guy. So this is kind of, right. uh, of a strange irony that uh, your city, we'll get into uh, a few things with you about, obviously, the T-Wolves and your career and so forth. But, but just since coming off what Jeff and I were speaking about, your city is loaded with uh, quite frankly, a bunch of crazy Philadelphians and some crazy Boston people, I imagine, and celebrities and so forth. And, uh, you know, what's it like out there? Well, <clears throat> my wife tried getting me to go out with her tonight. They were all um, going downtown to, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff happening uh, downtown. I know uh, several of the people that have been on the Super Bowl committee here for the last three years. And, um, might even be longer than that, actually, when they first when they first got announced. But um, it's you know it's it's kind of a weird place because you know you, when you think of the Super Bowl, you think of you know Pasadena, you think of Miami, um, you think of warm weather you know cities, and you don't think of um, places like Minneapolis. But the the new stadium is just amazing, and then you know they've got things the way they have it set up downtown. You know, there's a there's a street downtown called Nicollet. Uh, Nicollet Mall. It's the Nicollet Mall, and they can. It's basically only for buses, and it's kind of uh, high, you know, end shopping. Uh, but it's a very quaint street, and they've got um, all kinds of concert stage set up. They've got, um, you know, fires like on every block where you can kind of get warmed up. Um, they've got ice block uh, bars that, um, like every, like every scattered around every place, and um, so it's really it's got it's a cool atmosphere. Um, you know, I, I'm not really into like checking out what Philly fans and Boston fans are doing. So I'm staying home, um, just cause I'm, I, you know, I, I just have already had my fill of those people, um, on the road. So gotcha. um, I don't need any batteries. I don't need any batteries chucked at me or snowballs or who knows what Philly fans are going to do. Cause you know, I don't know if you guys read all the stories that, that you know, I've, and I've heard anecdotally a lot of, uh, a lot of my friends who, Went to the game. Those, those Philly fans are insane. And if you were, if you're, if you're really uh, uh, brave enough to wear your team colors in Philly land, uh, then then I, I don't know if you should get your head checked or something because those people were very rude to our fans there. Yeah, is it is it is it brave or is it stupidity? I don't know. That's that's always been the age old question. Um, you know, that's 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 what I was wondering about. I don't want to carry on about that till till uh, after Nate gets to Nate's. Dying to talk to you about the T Wolves. <laughs> well, uh, Mr. Peterson, sir, I just want to say it's an honor to speak with you here. I am a diehard Minnesota Timberwolves fan and have been since I was 11 years old. And right. I hear you, hear you and Dave call the games. I buy League Pass just so I can listen to you guys. And you do a phenomenal job calling the game. And I appreciate you coming on the show. All right, there. I got my kiss button moment out of the way. I'm very excited to talk to you about Wolves basketball. So the two-game road trip to Toronto and to Atlanta, not exactly yeah. the way the Wolves had planned that road trip. Uh, I heard Dave talk about the, he thought that it should be a one-on-one road trip after the Atlanta game, and I watched that game, and I thought the Wolves came out. They, they kind of looked flat, and Teague wasn't hitting the shots that he normally hits, and he went one of 12. 
it was just a rough night all around for the Wolves on the road, especially doing on the road back to backs. Yeah, and you know, and and um, and Jeff Teague has sort of you know been up and down, and the Wolves has in general they've uh, they've not been <laughs> good against Eastern Conference. Um, you know that the East for some reason they play down to their competition. Um, you know, they we just got off another uh, road trip. We did uh, actually uh, beat the Toronto Raptors ten days ago, actually eleven days now, uh, without Jimmy Butler. But you know, we we did we did play without Jimmy Butler for an extended period of time, like you know, it was like four games or whatever it was um, we, that we missed Jimmy. And uh, the the Raptors game was one of them. In fact, that was the first of the four. So Wolves go. On January 20th, they beat the Raptors on the 20th. Then they then we hit the road and we go to uh, the Clippers and Trailblazers. We beat the Clippers and Teague actually had 30 points in that game. He actually played really well. But that, so that was on Monday the 22nd, um, and it was the games after that. We have to go to you know, another back to back against uh, the Trailblazers and Warriors. I mean, that's a heck of a road trip. I mean, you got Raptors, Clippers, and then you got a back to back at at Blazers, at Golden State. And you come home and play one game against Brooklyn, and then you got to go back on the road and play three, and so uh, or play two, excuse me, play a back-to-back at Atlanta, at Raptors. Teague was was terrible in Atlanta. You know, you're thinking he's going back home. He's from that area. He played for the Hawks for a number of years, and um, he's going back for the first time as a Minnesota Timberwolf. He was there last year, um, obviously, when he was with Indiana. But it's been, it's been very disappointing. You know, you you sign a guy for $19 million and you have these expectations. And so many fans, and as you know, Nate, is that so many people are, you know, roasting Tom Thibodeau, the GM Tom Thibodeau, um, for, you know, trading Ricky Rubio away and uh, and signing Jeff Teague. So Ricky Rubio makes about $14 million. Uh, Teague makes nineteen. Uh, what you could have done with that, you know, Five million to, in terms of signing another shooter, perhaps um, is is Teague five million dollars better than Ricky Rubio, and that's that's kind of like the narrative that's going on right now. Um, and so people, you know, and, and and so what I always tell people, I said, look, that ship has sailed. You know, we can sit here and have the debate, you can sit there and talk about it, but I don't, I don't really want to like get be on air debating the virtues of Jeff Teague and Ricky Rubio. Um, and you know, then we're also fighting the narrative. If you, if you watch the Timberwolves play, we're fighting the narrative of Jeff Teague versus Tyus Jones. Um, and so people are saying, you know, Tyus should be playing more than Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague is, is you know, in, in just objectively, he's a better point guard than Tyus Jones. He's he can score yeah. more. He's maybe not defensively. Tyus has become pretty good, but but by by any measure, Jeff Teague is a better point guard than Tyus Jones. Um, and it's just been, I just feel bad for Jeff because he's, he's, he's trying to overcome the, the Ricky Rubio thing on one side. I mean, he's got to you know, like overcome the homegrown Tyus Jones thing on the other side. And, uh, it's been very difficult for him and he has not played well, you know, uh, over the past couple of weeks since he came back from injury. Gotcha. Uh, I have, I have a question. I'm 20 years older than Nate, um, Jim, Mr. Peterson, I should call you. Um, 
You can call me Jim, please. So, <laughs> thanks, buddy. Even uh, though I'm an old man, I got, I got, I'm, so I'm 50, I'll be 56 in, in on February 22nd. So, how much do I have you guys by? Uh, I'm 48, and Nate's a really young guy. He's 27 over there. 27. Right. But uh, I, I grew up, you know, not not six ten. You're six ten, right? Yep. I grew up to be a. Uh, a little bit fat now, but six foot one well, uh, by some measurements. But I believe it or not, just the wide men, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, <laughs> and, and the uh, the nobody believes me in this era that I was a point guard at one point. But <laughs> I, uh, looking back in your background, and I remember, believe it or not, my 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 plateau, my heyday was when I was seventeen years old. And uh, one of the greatest things for me would be going to the newsstand and buying a Street and Smith's basketball preview. And, oh, yeah. And looking at the uh, – you were already uh, oh, I love that. established by then. Uh, you're, I think you were at 1980, which brings up my point. Um, Mr. Basketball in the state of Minnesota. I, yeah. I could – like, uh, you know, I, I had dreams of that, you know, title in Pennsylvania and uh, – you know, obviously, I might have been Mr. Basketball in Clifton Heights for about six months, but you know, in the whole state of Minnesota, as as a guy in high school, was it like did it start becoming a reality then? Like, wow, I, I have a good shot at being a professional basketball player at this point. Well, I mean, I I really didn't know until I made it. Really, I think I think about um, I was McDonald's All American. In fact, I'm the first McDonald's All-American from the, the state of Minnesota. They, you know, so I, like you said, I was um, Mr. Basketball of Minnesota in 1980, and I think the McDonald's All-American game started in '77. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like there was a long history before I was in high school of naming McDonald's All-Americans. But um, anyway, I was the first one, um, and so then I, I, you know, I, you know, a funny thing is like when I was recruited by all these different schools, I actually wanted to go to Duke. I signed and committed to Duke University when I was in high school. Um, the, in 1978, Duke played Kentucky for the national championship, and I, for some reason I just fell in love with that Duke team. I fell in love with Mike Chaminsky and Gene Banks and Kenny Denard and um, Jim Spinarkle and just that really good Duke team. And um, the spring quarter of my senior year in high school, um, Bill Foster, who recruited me to go to Duke, left. And this guy named Mike Krzyzewski came in. And <laughs> I don't, Mike think, I, I don't actually, think I'm familiar. Um, <laughs> yeah, this guy named Krzyzewski. That's how long Coach K has been at Duke, by the way. Yeah. He's been there He's been there since 1980. Uh, and so Coach K actually flew to Minnesota. I was leaving for the McDonald's All-American game the next day to, in Oakland. Um, and Coach K asked me, to, he, he, he flew to Minneapolis, and I went and met him at the Thunderbird Hotel, which is where the Mall of America is right now. Um, and Coach K and I met, and I broke up with Coach K at the Thunderbird Hotel in 1980. <laughs> um, and, so, and so I didn't know who Coach K was. You know, in my mind, Coach K was, <clears throat> all I knew about him is that he was a Knight disciple from West Point. And so, so I I broke up with Bobby Knight that night, um, and then went to, next morning went to the, uh, the airport and met Jim Dutcher, the head coach of the basketball of the University of Minnesota, and signed uh, to go to Minnesota at that point. And you know, and, and, and it's not until I get to Minnesota that I realize hey, I'm start kind of stacking up. I was skinny, and I was a late bloomer. You know, I was um, 
I was 6'10", but, you know, like when you're playing against men, I mean, back then, everybody stayed four years. You guys weren't leaving early. And so, you know, you're, playing, you're 18, you're playing against 22-year-olds. I mean, these guys were, were like some big, strong dudes, you know? Yeah. And um, it wasn't until I got to Houston, got, got drafted by Houston, that I really knew I was going to make it. Um, it's been it's been a it's been a crazy ride too. When I think about you know being this kid from St. Louis Park, Minnesota, that I you know I've done all this stuff. You know I've been able to play in the NBA, played for three teams. You know I've been broadcasting for the Timberwolves for 20 years. Um, it's I've seen a lot of stuff. I've been I've been around a lot of great people. Um, but one of the biggest regrets I have, in fact, is the only regret is that I wonder what would have happened had I gone to Duke. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I, what would have happened? I could be a senator right now if something I wanted to do. You know, you never know. You know, and I could be, I could be Jay Billis. Jay Billis may have never happened had I gone to Duke because maybe Jay Billis at that point doesn't go to Duke. You know what I mean? Like, who knows how the dominoes fall? Yeah, yeah. Well, as far as the Senate and so forth, there's, you know, never say never. <laughs> I like you better as a basketball analysis than Jay Billis yeah, anyway, Jim. Don't worry about that. No, I am not going into politics. Trust me. <laughs> well, getting back to the Wolves, you mentioned Tyus Jones earlier, Jim. And Tyus has really impressed me this season as, as a guy who watched him at Duke. And then when we drafted him, I was really excited to see what he could do. And he was kind of a stepped in. He was behind Rubio. And I was like, yeah, the kid, I don't know if he's going to translate to an NBA player. And I watched him. I, I would go to make trips to Charlotte every time the Wolves are in town and watch them. And Tyus has this season really turned it on and become an, an excellent off-the-bench weapon for Coach Thibodeau. And he's playing very, very well on the defensive end as well. I really like the way Tyus is maturing. Um, has Coach Thibodeau been working with him, or has that been uh, more so Tyus learning from the veterans on the team like Jeff Teague, like Jimmy Butler, guys like that? Nate, are you bringing up uh, Duke University guy to rub it in? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> no, no, up? never. never <laughs> I would never do that. You got to go right to the Duke guy. Rub it in. Not such a smooth I'm, like, my, uh, You know, I'm, 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 I'm second guessing my entire life choices now, and you got to bring up Tyus. You know, you're doing, you're doing better than I am in life, Jim. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know. You know, T- Tibbs doesn't work with anybody. You know, Tibbs. He, I mean, he coaches people, but. It's the assistants that, that do the day-in, day-out workouts with these guys to make them better. I mean, yeah. Tibbs is, um, you, know, I, you know, I don't know. It's, it's very frustrating for me because I think that on, on the one hand, Tyus has gotten better, and he's, and he's, and he's become a, a pretty important piece. Uh, when Teague <coughs> was hurt and went, and, and went down, um, Tyus stepped in and Minnesota operated pretty well when Tyus was in there. Um, and now that Jeff Teague is back, Tyus has gone back to playing his 12 to 15 minutes a game, where I think that it should be a 28-20 split. I think that Tyus should be on the floor for at least 20 minutes a game. And so, you know, the question is, is you know, is he going to be get out of that 12 to 15-minute mode and, and, and ramp it up a little bit because they actually operate better there? The numbers are better for Minnesota when Tyus Jones is on the floor in terms of his ability to distribute and, and, and get guys in, you know, organize the offense, get guys in their sets. Um, defensively, he's a better defender than Jeff Teague. Um, so the differential is, you know, a lot of times um, offensive and defensive efficiency is, is better when Tyus is on the floor. So, uh, But the thing about it is that, is that Tom Thibodeau didn't draft Tyus Jones. 
he signed Jeff Teague as a free agent and gave him $19 million a year. So if you're Tom Thibodeau, who are you going to try to establish a role with? You know, and you got, I think you have to keep that in the back of your mind when you're watching this team and you say, why does Tyus play more? I mean, people are tweeting at me all the time. And they're always asking me all the time, why doesn't Tyus play more? Why doesn't Tyus play more? It's not that difficult to figure out. You know what I mean, Nate? I mean, it's just not, yeah. that, figure, it's not that difficult to figure out. Ty, Tom Thibodeau did not draft Tyus Jones. He, he, he acquired Jeff Teague and paid him a lot of money. And so he can't let Jeff Teague fail. He's got to yeah. do everything he can to keep Jeff Teague confident. If you were to hear Tom Thibodeau in a, in a media scrum, um, he swerves out of his way to re- inform everybody that Jeff Teague is one of the best point guards in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, he'll be talk- somebody will be talking about Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler, and he'll go, and oh, by the way, you know, we've got Jeff Teague, who's one of the best players, uh, one of the best point guards in the NBA. So when fans are scratching their heads and they're saying, why isn't Tyus playing more? Um, I mean, it's just not that difficult to figure out. Yeah, we- yeah and you talk about Coach, Coach Thibodeau, he is notorious for playing his starters a lot of minutes. That's something that a lot of people complain about. Now, I've not been one to complain about our starters seeing a lot of minutes, but we're looking at a playoff berth for the first time since I was in middle school. So this is something <laughs> that, not, that's not a joke. <laughs> but, uh, and it's not funny either. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. And I've been, to I've been along for this ride. Bad it's bad. 2004, that's for sure. Yeah, 2004, I was in eighth grade, so uh, I had my Garnett yeah. jersey back then, and I got made fun of yep. by everybody for being the loser that was a T-Wolves fan. I said, you wait and see one day, and 14 years later, here I am. But uh, <laughs> but one thing is, do you think Coach Tibbs plays his starters too many minutes and doesn't rely on his bench enough, other than Jamal Crawford? Um, no, I don't, I don't, you know, I mean, obviously Tibbs, Tibbs does like to roll with his starters, but... You know, I mean, who doesn't want to play their best players? I think that I fault Tom Thibodeau, the GM, more than I fault Tom Thibodeau, the coach, um, for, you know, the, the, the unbalanced roster that, this, that we have here. You know, it's like, you know, I, I just don't, I don't understand the virtue of signing Cole Aldrich. I mean, you're, you're, you're wasting $7, 8000000 million in salary cap with Cole Aldrich. Now, Cole is a great yeah. guy, and, and he's, uh, and he's um, a tremendous teammate. And he, he helps the chemistry of your team, but you could you could get that for three million or two million, or even the veterans minimum. You know what I mean? Like Cole Aldridge yeah. doesn't deserve eight million dollars in salary, and he never plays. I mean, he he just he's not he's not good enough right now. So I mean that that hurts. I mean, like you could we, we need shooters. You know what I mean? We like do. Minnesota Timberwolves need shooters badly. badly. And and how much and what kind of shooter could you get for you know six or seven eight million dollars? You know what I mean? Yeah, um, for sure. Do you ever think and, you, you ever think you'd be and, saying that in your playing days? <laughs> like, yeah, I know. You know I mean, yeah, like okay. it's I mean, like it's ridiculous. Like yeah. these, these guys, you know, making one year what I made in my career. You know, and I, uh, but then you know, it's even worse for the older guys. You know, it's like you know, the, you know I, I I at least got paid you know a pretty decent salary um, at the end of my career, but. You know, what these guys make, I mean, like, to think Blake Griffin makes $29 million a yeah. year, I mean, is, is just unbelievable to me. Um, and, and um, but I don't begrudge him because, you know, I mean, 
you know, there were people when I played, there, you know, there were veteran guys that were broadcasters when I played. And, you know, I signed uh, uh, a six-year, $8 million contract um, when I was with the Sacramento Kings, my fifth year in the league. And so, I mean, like, and there were broadcasters that were former players that just thought, oh, my God, six years, eight million. That's just, like, unbelievable. You know, like, they were appalled by that. I'm just like, you know, I don't begrudge these dudes. Like, because I just know that the money's out there. Um, The markets determines what you're you're worth. And, um, you know, when I see Carrot Top going to Vegas and headlining and making whatever, I mean, like, I – you know what I mean? Like, you know, the, some of these people that make money in movies that have that are talentless jerks, you know what I mean, that make all this money in, in the entertainment business, nobody says a word about them, but you, know, you pay Blake Griffin $29 million a year, and uh, you know, people have a problem with it. But I'm saying, like, like, how many people can do and play power forward in the NBA like Blake Griffin? How many, how many? many? How many do you think there are on the planet that can do it? Yeah, there's not many on planet Earth. And, uh... Five? Ten, right. you know, on the planet, like what's so like when when you when you have that unique of a skill set that people are willing to pay to go see, then yes, then you're worth twenty nine million dollars. That's what the market says, you know. So, um, I don't know. It's it's just it's frustrating to me. It's, but when you're but when you're trying to divvy up money to put together a roster, you've got to be smart. And that's where I say Tom Thibodeau. I just wish he would have spent his money better because, you know, do you really need to spend five extra million dollars? Is, is Teague five million dollars better than Ricky Rubio? I don't know. Is um, I'm going to say no, he's not. I, I would say no, he's not. Um, do you need Cole Aldridge at eight million dollars a year? You know, no. taking up taking up a roster spot and burning up that much of the cap. Um, you know, I love Jamal Crawford, but you're trying to get JJ Redick. You know, JJ signed. For, uh, he signed for a lot more than I think Minnesota had. They they couldn't afford JJ Redick, but um, JJ you know wanted to come here and play. And and but the thing is, we got into a bidding war with Philadelphia. Philadelphia ended up getting him. But but JJ Redick is exactly the kind of guy that Minnesota needs. You know what I mean? And so now yeah. you're looking at what do you do? I mean, you're here at the trade deadline. The Wolves cannot compete with teams that that shoot three point sh- shots. We just lost a game to Toronto, where basically Minnesota outplayed Toronto. But the Wolves only hit five three-point shots. Toronto hit nine. Uh, mm-hmm. Toronto hit more free throws than Minnesota did, something that the Wolves shot themselves in the foot. But if you shoot threes against Minnesota, it's just math. You know, threes more than two. And yep. the Wolves just can't keep up with some of these three-point shooting teams. And, you know, they gave up 17 threes against Portland. They gave up 18 threes against the Golden State Warriors. And when you get into an arms race with Portland, Golden State, Houston, in the West, you're just going to come up a loser if you can't shoot threes. So, I mean, that, that, then Tibbs, know, Tibbs knows this coming into the season, and that's why I say I don't know how you don't just try to load up with three-point shooters and try to, you know, try to stay with some of these teams that are just incredibly talented. Yeah, uh, JJ in JJ Reddick's case, he he had his own podcast for a while. He kind of shut it down, but the last one that I heard, he had uh, Jerry or Brian Colangelo, excuse me. On from the Sixers, the, they agreed on the twenty-three million for one year. But he, he and his wife's concern was, you know, they have family now and so forth. Were uh, years because he's in his fifteenth season, and he did mention that he was looking at Minnesota hard. And uh, part of the part of the thing that wooed him, 
because they were both talking about it on his on his show was Colangelo dangled that you know obviously this is a one year but we'll see what happens and uh, I I can totally see you as a coach in this league yada 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 so he kind of sweetened the pot a little bit and obviously like you said the the big money that Minnesota wouldn't match I think that's where the final straw was in that deal right but right. we could have used another Duke guy. Oh shit! We, <laughs> we didn't even think of that. God, we should call this wide men Very for Duke. Nick. Yeah, um, uh, Jim. One more question for you before you go, because well, I don't know what Minnesota is going to do at the trade deadline. I don't know what assets they have to offer. I would ask you, but I think the only person that might know that answer would be Coach Thibodeau. Um, looking back at your history, and again, thank you so much for coming on. And this is something I'm going to remember for a long time as a diehard Minnesota fan. Um, what do you, where did the, uh, ivory tower nickname come from? <laughs> like who came up um, with that's that? That's hilarious. Garth, well, Garth Brooks. You were, uh, so <laughs> I, I was drafted by Houston, uh, with Akeem Olajuwon. Ralph Sampson had been drafted number one the year before. So Ralph was drafted in 83, number one. Akeem Olajuwon was drafted in 84, number one. And so... And I was drafted at 51. I would have been a second-round pick today, but back then I was a third-round pick. There were only 23 teams in the NBA when I came in in 84. And so I was in the, you know, arguably the greatest draft class of all time. Elijah Juan, Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley, John Stockton, Sam Perkins, Kevin Willis. I mean, so many great players that played uh, that are from that draft class. But And then uh, there was a guy named Rodney McRae who – was on those great Denny Crum Louisville teams. So he was drafted with Ralph Sampson in 83. So they had Ralph, Ralph and Rodney already. And then they get Akeem Olajuwon, and they team up to become the Twin Towers. You know, they were the Twin Towers. And, and yeah. you, you haven't seen that many Twin Tower concepts work. I mean, David Robinson and, and, and Tim Duncan were, were one Twin Towers sort of concept. We had basically two centers playing together, right? And yeah. Ralph Sampson at seven for four, Akeem Olajuwon at six ten, six eleven, um, two centers. Can they coexist? That's the question. And they did, and they were great. <laughs> and we were on national TV all the time, and so they're they're called the Twin Towers, and they're the biggest thing. I mean, like it, they're just sweeping the NBA. We went to the finals our second year together. Um, so Akeem Olajuwon, Ralph Sampson, Twin Towers. Some sports writer, <laughs> a sportscaster. For the ABC affiliate in Houston, Texas, he um, he was doing a story on me because I was a you know I was a pretty important player to those teams uh, in Houston. I was a you know, I was the sixth man basically. Yeah. One night on one night on the TV broadcast, you know, he said we hey, we got the Twin Towers and then we got the Ivory Tower, <laughs> like the white guy. You know, so I'm like, <clears throat> so for some reason, it just stuck. And you know, Ivory Tower. Is kind of a pejorative term, right? I mean, like, yeah. I, I really never really liked it because, like, I don't want to be that guy that's sitting in his ivory tower. It's kind of a negative, you know what I mean? Yeah. But on, on the other hand, you know, it's kind of fun to be, like, compared to – I was just happy to be compared to Kim Lajewa and Ralph Sampson, you know what I mean? Like, uh, they're the Twin Towers, I'm the ivory tower. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it really was one of those things where I was kind of like, I didn't like it, but – it kind of gave me an identity in a in in a in a, in a town like Houston, and um, I, I don't know. I just it, I hear it now, and I just kind of cringe. You know what I mean? But it's on my <laughs> Wikipedia page. I'm too lazy to get it erased. So, you know what I mean? Like it's just it's just kind of a funny thing right now. I, I just roll with. 
Yeah, that's a that's a pretty badass time, and uh, hopefully uh, you enjoyed your experience tonight, and you'll come back because there's so much I would love to ask you about, like your playing career and back in those days. But if I if I could sneak one more in, uh, Jim, uh-huh. uh, I I did read on that said Wikipedia page that you uh, did a lot of uh, uh, I don't uh, I don't know what word I would use, but did a lot of uh, educational work. That's the word. Uh, about you know uh, anything from money management to uh, sexually transmitted diseases, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And uh, was that a product of the time with the Magic Johnson announcement, or was it just? Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah. Something... So go ahead. Yeah. So it, when when David Stern came into the league, you know David Stern uh, came in in '84 too. So like not only was the greatest draft class in NBA history in '84 with Jordan and Elijahwan and Barkley and Stockton. But David Stern had come into the league and took over for Larry O'Brien um, the spring, sort of like I think it was like February of '84. So, so, so the '84 draft was David Stern's first draft, but he was actually had been, you know, legal counsel. He had been, he had been with the NBA for a long time before that. So it wasn't like he didn't know what was going on. But um, one of the things that David Stern did was. He started a drug program because um, you know cocaine was a big problem in the 70s and 80s, and it almost it almost ruined the NBA. Mm. And so, and you know, I had three teammates that were kicked off our team during my time in Houston: uh, Mitchell Wiggins, who's Andrew Wiggins' father, yeah. and uh, Lewis Lloyd. They both were kicked off our team in 80, 87 for cocaine use, and then John Lucas uh, was kicked off twice. He was wow. kicked off my rookie year. And then he was kicked off my second year um, for cocaine abuse, tested positive. Um, so you know we ha- we just it was a big problem in our, in you know with our team. And of course you know of course they're not going to make a, a, a an example of, of other teams. They make example of our team. Like there, you know how prevalent it was. I mean th- th- I mean they really could have really checked any number of players and and busted them the same at the same level that they busted us, but. Um, it was kind of my <clears throat> a bone of contention for me, but so like you know there was a number of things that were happening. It was it was the drug use. It was the Magic Johnson in '91, and then you know what was happening is that as guys started making a lot of money, uh, guys were losing their money. You know you had you had guys that would just you know they'd make you know tens of millions of dollars and and the money would just evaporate. Yeah, a little um, a little later and, it was. Uh... Antoine Walker, but back in that era, yeah, Antoine. Sure I mean, Antoine Walker is a perfect example. What did he make? One hundred and twenty-five million dollars in his career. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, you can't hang on to one hundred and twenty. You can't hang on to enough to like live on and, and save. Right. One hundred. You, you you messed up. I mean, even if Uncle Sam takes half, I mean that's sixty. You know, three million dollars that you should. Ha- you know, sixty-three million dollars. How do you screw up sixty-three million dollars? Well, it happened, and so. They decided to have these programs, um, and the NBA Players Association um, were the ones that sort of um, oversaw them. And so they kind of started in like two, in 1990. So it was um, HIV/AIDS awareness through Johns Hopkins University. Uh, Merrill Lynch kind of um, um, did the the degree com- uh, the uh, the money management part of it. There was. Uh, a degree completion part of it where they wanted athletes to go back and get their degrees. Um, so they worked with this company out of San Diego called Pay Sports. Um, 
And so, so they needed former players to be liaisons uh, in the locker room. So I worked for the NBA Players Association, and I had the West Coast, so I had all the teams in California, and I had Seattle and Portland. And I would be the guy that when, when um, the meetings were happening, when like the Merrill Lynch guy would come into the locker rooms and we'd talk about financial planning. <clears throat> and when the doctors from Johns Hopkins University, I would come with the doctors and I would be like sort of the, the liaison between the players in the locker room and, and, these, and these facilitators, these doctors that would come in and do these, these, um, these sort of uh, talks, you know. And it was all in an effort to try to educate our players better. And it was one of the things that David Stern really wanted to do. So, you know, there were there was a handful of guys that did it. It was like, you know, they, they kind of divvied up, you know, kind of by um, conference, by division, and then conference. So, um, it was it was kind of a fun thing to do for a couple of years to, before I figured out what I wanted to do. And it wasn't until so I retired in '92, and I did that uh, from '92 to '94. Uh, and then I moved back to Minneapolis, and I started working for the Timberwolves in '98. So I've been. This is my 20th year broadcasting with the Timberwolves. So um, it's been a long, weird ride. But that was a, that was an interesting thing to do, though. That 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 seminar stuff. I just learned a lot about people, and I learned about human frailty. Yeah. Um, you know, the managing money and drug use and HIV. It's it, it, I mean, it's all of the vices, right? I mean, you're talking about drugs, sex you know, rock and roll money, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. like, like all these vices and Gambling I mean, it's probably. so prevalent. It's so prevalent in the NBA that, you know, the guys just, you know, just have so much access to stuff, you know? So I think David Stern did a great job of um, trying to reel guys in. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Jim, yeah. thank you so much for coming on with us tonight. And we're sorry we took too much of your time and, it's been really great getting to talk to you and having you on. And you, sir, are welcome back anytime you would like to come on. And I All promise right. you, this season I will see you in Minneapolis. I'm flying up for a playoff game. I, I promised myself I would whenever we made it again. So I'll be in Minneapolis. We make the playoffs. All right, Nate. Come and see me, baby. Just will give me do. a heads up. Okay. I will. Th- talk to thanks, you guys later. Right, thanks, thanks a lot. Jim Peterson, ladies and gentlemen. Man, Very cool. I don't think people out there realize how happy this little Wolves fan is right now. Yeah, I'm marking out. Get over it. <laughs> yeah, we the cup runneth over, so you know we got to uh, you know wind it down, and we're obviously going to have to take care of some business at some point. But um, you know that's that's a great guest, and when a guy has that many stories, we we got to bring him back at some point. Oh, for sure, Jim's a great guy, uh, great commentator too. If you never heard him call a game, you should listen to him. So much analysis and just knows the game inside and out well now i gotta watch two goddamn teams i was gonna leave the t-wolves to you but i got that stupid package <laughs> i gotta watch now because jim's a good dude oh, he's so. great but we want to thank our sponsors wowfreecam.com and be a dandy.com for kicking it with us tonight also thank you to the guys at collar and elbow use the code at go to collar and elbow brand.com use the code tr shock and save 10 percent on your merchandise at checkout and the show gets a little love that way by the way we still are in partnership with fanatics tinyurl.com slash wide jump fan will take you to fanatics use that 
and it shows us some love and you can get some really cool jerseys for your women valentine's day's coming up you're definitely going to want to do that i think you can Big get shout- eagles gear on there too right you can get eagles gear Perfect on there for timing. when they win the super bowl on sunday Big whoa, shout out whoa, to Jeff whoa, Simmons. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yes. Yes. Big shout out to Jeff Simmons, but I'm going to stop you there. We can't get too cocky here because that's going to. Well, Nate from West Virginia can. We can. Well, they're not my team, so. Yeah, true, know. but I'm still I'm still one of those don't okay. don't jinx it type of. Okay. Uh, if the Eagles win on Sunday. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Okay, if cool. they win. Cool. But we are going to be rooting for them. Even me down here in West Virginia as a Tampa Bay Buccaneers football fan, I'll be rooting for the Eagles because I'm sick of Brady and Belichick too. A uh, big thank you to everyone that watches and follows the show. Uh, no voicemail this week from Frank. I guess it was too cold for his ass to pick up the phone. Uh, we'll have Karen back next week. She'll be joining us for her segment. And we want to thank everybody that shared the show, watches the show, downloaded us. You can find us on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, LaughCast, LaughCast.com, uh, the LaughCast app. You can find us on Google Play, Flash FM, Pod Paradise, and anywhere on the internet that you find podcasts. Uh, big thank you to all the shows that have helped us out. Uh, Studcast with Ron Fuller Welch and Tony Basilio. Thanks to Shooting the Shiz with Brian Trammell, the 605 Super Podcast. Big shout out to Kenny Starmaker Bolin, and we do want to send a quick condolences to the family of Razul Butler. Sad circumstances that happened today that we couldn't get into on the show today, but rest in peace, the Razul Butler and his wife, and our condolences go out to them. I got to jump in. I, I that sucks that we didn't bring that up. Um, just to give it its fair due, Rasul is a Philly guy, Roman Catholic High School, LaSalle University. Uh, I'd love them see, love to have seen him play here in his career in the NBA, but he didn't. Tragically lost in a car accident, uh, and his wife as well, which we should not forget. Uh, so, Definitely yeah, not. What what Nate said, and uh, Philly lost. Uh, you know, from all accounts, a good person. Yes, yes. So rest in peace, Rasul and his wife, and our condolences once again. Thanks to Jeff Simmons for running the board and sticking with us in our overtime session tonight, but you only get Jim Peterson every so often, Jeff. Thanks for understanding. We will be back next week. We hope to see you guys there. I'm Nate from Wide Men Can't Jump. TR, take us home. Yo, yo, yo. Peace out. See ya. They're